What's your mom? A working mom. And what did she write? The working the mom. The working mom blueprint. blueprint. And what should they do? Go buy, buy it today. The Working Mom Blueprint is now available wherever books are sold. Go grab it for yourself, for a friend, for a sister, for a colleague, so we can help working moms, all moms, to thrive, not just survive on their motherhood journey. Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. To the Modern Mommy Doc podcast. Today I have Zibby Owens, who is the author of Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology, and host of the Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books podcast. I'm so happy to have her here today. Thanks so much for being here, Zibby. Oh, thanks for inviting me. I'm delighted. So I want to hear about Moms Don't Have Time To in general, how it started, how this all came to be. Um, Yeah, it's kind of a crazy story in that I didn't mean to start any of this. Um, It basically started after after I got divorced. I have four kids. I ended up with all this extra time. And so I started doing a lot more writing, which I've done my whole life. And one essay that I wrote was called A Mother's Right to Sanity on HuffPost about how I just like had it up to here with the incessant demands on my time, how I didn't even have time to spend time with my kids, which is why I had four kids. Well, kind of. Anyway, uh, so that kind of took off that and it inspired me to keep writing. And then I had so many essays that my husband, I got remarried. He wasn't my husband then, but now he is, said, you should really collect all these essays and make them into a book. And I said, ugh, moms don't have time to read books. And then I thought, oh, that's so funny. I'll just call my book, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. But I found out that that wasn't, uh, the publishing industry wouldn't like that, that they weren't into collections of essays about parenting. I had no platform, blah, blah, blah. And another friend of mine who was an author said, you know, you should really start a podcast. And I was like, what's a podcast? So I went home and researched podcasts. And then I thought, well, I don't know. I guess I could start a podcast. Why not? So I started it from my bedroom. And like, (laughs) then I Googled like, you know, best microphone, best platform, best whatever. And I analyzed, you know, what I liked about a bunch of other podcasts that were popular and tried it. So I thought I was just going to have a podcast and then it's all kind of spiraled. So I started doing live events and then I started being asked to be a bookstore moderator. And then I realized how much I love doing that. And then I started collecting lists of recommended books. And when the pandemic hit, that's when um, I kind of doubled down. It was after two years of the podcast. And um, I put together a bunch of essays with the help of three other amazing authors and editors. 
And it became a quarantine magazine, if you will, not about the quarantine, but just like a publication that came out during that time called Mom's Note. We called it We Found Time. And then I stopped it after a couple of months collected all those essays, and that's what became my book, Moms Don't Have Time To, a quarantine anthology. Um, and then I had this whole Moms Don't Have Time To, you know, each section was about another thing moms didn't have time to do. Moms don't have time to eat, work out, breathe, have sex, read. Um, and there were just so many of those things. And I was like, well, this is like what I'm doing. So I was like, well, I guess it's a company. I'll make it a company. I launched Moms Don't Have Time To Write, which is a magazine-ish on Medium. Uh, and then I started launching into Moms Don't Have Time To Grieve, Moms Don't Have Time To Shop. And that's how it's sort of happened. <laughs> I think that is what's interesting about this type of work. It's same for me, where it's like you start with one thing and then it takes you down this path and then it leads to this other thing. And then there is a lot of um, pushback, I think, too. Like you were saying about the title for this original book that you were thinking about. You're we like, well, maybe it won't work in that exact medium, but I know it would totally work in this other medium because people need to hear this message, especially this message that I hear you saying about the HuffPost piece. Like, I don't even have time to have any type of sanity. Can you go back? Can you take me back to that time? Because that feels like that was really the inspiration for this entire movement of we need to give moms time to do these things or we need to prioritize this time. What what were you experiencing at that time in your life that made you so passionate to write that piece? <laughs> when I got so fed up that I just couldn't deal with it anymore. Um, so at that time, I had four kids. My I had probably when I wrote it, my littlest was two, and then I would have had a three and a half year old and like a, two nine year old twins. And um, life was crazy as it is with lots of kids and life and everything else. And um, I found myself like constantly on the computer during the times even when they were home from school or like being like, no, no, but I'm doing this for you. Like I'm doing your health forms or I'm doing – I'm organizing this play date or I'm making sure your birthday party is like amazing or I'm – you know, all these things. Now I'm dealing with your health form claims or I'm organizing this trip and oh, your passport's expired and like, you know, just the million things that you do for kids – where you can't even be with your kids. And I really love mm -hmm. spending time with kids. I was like a camp counselor and a babysitter, mother's helper. Like I've loved kids forever. I love kids. And I was like, great. Now I can't even be with my own kids because there's so much you have to do to be a mom that it's like ridiculous. Does anyone even notice? Because my own mother would be like, oh, you know, you're just paying too much attention to everything, you know, like benign neglect to be everything will be fine. And I'm like, it's not like that. Like you're required to be a CEO of your own family right now, or you're going to drop the ball. And then like, you're going to have the kid who's not wearing the green t-shirt that like you're running to the gap at like 10 o'clock at night. You know what I mean? Like you can't, mm -hmm. and, and the, the costs are so high because it's like the embarrassment of your child and you know, why did I not have whatever? Anyway, the final straw for me was um, um, uh, when the preschool teachers asked for donations of toilet paper rolls, the ones that go like underneath, like after you've – and I'm like, I haven't been saving those. Like for me to bring those in tomorrow, say, like what? I'm going to go to all my bathroom, my ba – it's like all my toilet paper rolls. And like I, this, I cannot stoop this low. Like I am not doing yeah. this. And I don't think I had ever said no to anything requested by any teacher ever. 
because I'm like eager to please type A person. Like, yes, I will do that. Yes, I will address these invitations. Yes, I will do whatever. And I just couldn't do it. I was like, I'm not doing this. I can't believe it. I, no, I'm done. <laughs> and that's what happened. So I, I love it. And you are right. Like there is a pressure to be the person who, you know, bakes the perfect brownies for the class or who brings in all the paper rolls. And there is also the pressure of if I don't get this done, my child will miss out on this opportunity that makes a difference for the entire next year. Yesterday, I was signing my kids up for uh, aftercare and before care for school this next year. There's like 50 slots. There's like 250 kids in the school. If they don't get the slots, that means now I have to go find a nanny for the whole year. I'm thinking about, as you're talking about, like as the CEO of my family, these things that have so much pressure attached to them because I know later on it will create issues for me. And I think the thing that I have found for moms and for myself, how I used to operate too, is that I would place an equal amount of pressure on all of the different things. So the paper, the toilet paper rolls would have the same amount of weight as making sure that the childcare issue gets taken care of for this next year, as would me showing up for every single volunteer opportunity that comes up at the school, right? And I don't know what you found that made the difference for you in terms of making time for eating, reading, working out, breathing, and having sex. <laughs> but for me, I know it was deciding what are my priorities and deciding, gosh, I am just not going to care anymore. Like if I do so much as a working mom to show my kids what it's like to be successful in the world and to be a contributor to the world. And those are the things I want to focus on. And if I have to tell the teacher, like you said, like, no, absolutely. I cannot bring you toilet paper rolls. That's a ridiculous ask. So be it so that I can focus on the thing I do want to say yes to. Was there something for you that made you have a flip or that made you not have to feel like you had to focus equally on all those things that really don't matter anymore? That's such an interesting way to think of it. Um, that sort of they were all top of mind, you know, fire drill events um, instead of saying like this one can um, – I guess in a way I haven't done it as – I guess thoughtfully or as intentionally as it sounds like you have. Um, I definitely like had a mental switch that I couldn't, I couldn't do it after the essay. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I have four kids. I cannot do everything. I cannot be perfect. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to, and I started, I guess what I started doing was Xing out different things, right? Yeah. I am not going to volunteer at the school. I am not going to be class mom, even though I'm asked. I am not going to go to this event. I am not going to go to that event. I am like – so I, I basically allowed myself to be a lot more selective in what I did with my time um, and just gave myself permission to say I can't be everywhere for everything. It's like impossible. Um, mm -hmm. Did it mean that it left time for reading and all that other stuff? I mean, what I ended up doing is like creating a whole like job around this concept accidentally, but um, – in a way, it like allowed me to figure out who I was again. Um, mm -hmm. And in my case, it, I was going through a major sort of identity shift because of my divorce after a decade and um, what that was like. And uh, so I think I had a lot of things sort of being shaken up at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, but even now, I mean, so I don't know if you found this too, but like 
when you have, you know, when you have like 57 things on your list, a bad day is like, I only got 30 things done. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas before it would be like, I had 10 things on my list and I would have to do all of them. Right. Like I'm much more, I'm getting so much more done now that the medical forms that used to take me a while. And I've always been, I have to say very efficient and like, you know, I like to do things quickly and whatever, but I just don't have the time. And so I don't spend it. Like people are like, how do you get everything done? Well, I guess, you know what? I'd rather spend half an hour prepping for a podcast interview and do kind of a bad job. Actually, I'll tell you what really helped me. Um, But this is after I started the podcast. And it's something that I do think about a lot. Sorry, this was not a very coherent answer because I've never actually analyzed it before. (laughs) But I did interview this one woman named Pamela Morgenstern. um, And she wrote a book about time management for parenting. And in it, she had this sort of rubric of max, min, mod. Do you want to spend the maximum amount of energy, the minimum, or the moderate? And it's your choice on each task. So do you want to have the birthday party to end all birthday parties with like calligraphy and, you know, customized things? Or do you want to like go on Amazon and buy everybody a raft and be like, that's my party favor and you're going to love it because Mm -hmm. I'm going to save my sanity for other things. So I basically have reallocated what what I can, what needs to be super perfect and what doesn't. It is time to run, not walk to your bookstore or have your fingers do whatever is the equivalent of running to the Amazon store, to online to purchase our new book. It's called The Working Mom Blueprint, Winning at Parenting Without Losing Yourself. It is a labor of love. I'm so excited to deliver this book baby to you and to help you really feel like you are winning at parenting without losing yourself, mama. If you want to also check it out at the library, it's there, borrow it from a friend. However, I just want you to get this solid information so you can start thriving, not just surviving in motherhood. Yeah. I think you have more of a method than you realize. Yeah, maybe I do. Denise Hamilton, who um, is the author of uh, Watch Her Work or the, uh, the founder of Watch Her Work, she came on our podcast and talked about this idea of selective mediocrity. And that's what I hear you saying is basically deciding some things. I'm just going to do a crappy job at this, almost so perfect, or like the minimum job on this to yeah. just get it done. Um, and I think for sure that's how I operate. Like, yes, the dishes are not done to perfection in the same way that my mom would do, or like the dinner is not like, there's no like top chef, you know, competitions happening in my house, but it gets done and the kids get fed and I'm not feeding them jelly beans every day. And so that's going to have to just be enough. Right. Yeah. I I still probably feed them jelly beans every day, but maybe not. (laughs) Depends on the quarantine. quarantine. Yeah, for breakfast. I've given up. I've just like totally, you know. Yeah. Well, I was telling someone the other day, I think that's the other thing too, right? Like there are moments where I just have no bandwidth for very much other than a few things that I'm really concentrating on. And so it's totally true. My kids are like, can we have ice cream today? I'm like, absolutely. Let's go for it, you know? And then other times when quarantine is not on top of me that I can say, wait a second. No, 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 no. Let's come on. Let's get a little more healthy. Ice cream can happen on on Saturday night. So, um, I think it also has to do with our bandwidth and like 
being aware of how much bandwidth do we have at that moment uh, to be more focused on on variety of things. I want to hear about in the book um, about some of the essays that really spoke to you or that you really loved because it wasn't just your own essays. It was a collection of celebrities and New York Times bestselling authors that contributed. So tell me more about some of the essays that really stood out to you. Um, and by the way, I love how you're interviewing. Like, this is like <laughs> fantastic. You're, I love, I hope your show is like, you know, a top rated show everywhere. I have to go look now, but um, <laughs> it's very, it, should, it should be because I, you're really good. Um, uh, let's see. Essays that spoke to me. There's one by Liz Astroff, who is one of my favorite writers. She's a screenwriter mostly, but wrote a book called Don't Wait Up, Confessions of a Stay-at-Work Mom, like, <laughs> which are her own collection of essays. She wrote a story called... Uh, mom's enough time to cry about all the times that she wishes she could cry during the day, but keeps getting distracted. She can't, she doesn't even have the luxury of a good cry when she wants it until finally she finds the time for it. And I just, and she did it in a creative way and it was great. I love that. That's, and that's so true. Like you don't even have the time to process, which is, I think why it comes out like for me, like on, you know, in the, in a dark room on a spin bike. You know what I mean? Like that's where yes. I start crying. You know, is um where it's like, where did this come from? I think it's because I finally slowed down for two minutes, and that's the reason why I'm crying. That's that's, that's beautiful. A, I'm writing. Um, I have a memoir coming out in like a year if I can finish the edits and whatever. Um, from Little A called The Book Messenger, and I actually included a scene where I would like drive to spinning crying and then I would sit on the bike and cry and then I would like get off the bike and cry <laughs> like while my kids were at camp because like you know you only have that time and then they would come home and I'd be all chipper and everything was fine so yeah tell me about the section in the book about um moms don't have time to have sex because I'm sure that that was an interesting read first of all and then interesting to kind of compile like what people would say about their hang-ups there and what keeps them from being able to relax and enjoy and settle in. Because I think for a lot of moms, that is true. It's like, once you're in the moment, you're all for it. But being able to get yourself to the point where you're like, okay, everything else is off my plate. Now I have time to enjoy this can be difficult. Yes. And I wish more people had written that essay. (laughs) (laughs) You can write that essay. That's your strategy. You can write that for me for moms don't have time to write and we'll put it right up. Um, Well, the first thing that I found with that section is that everybody was like, oh, that's going to be my favorite section. Ha, 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 ha. Um, And actually, after the book came out, and I'm going backwards, but I started a whole podcast around that called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Sex, which I've now changed the name of to Sex Talk, T-O-K, with Zibby and Tracy, um, because we started posting snippets of it on TikTok, and it got like over a million views on all these like videos about topics just like this that you would have found in the book. So um, the essays ranged. Some were like, how to have a... I mean, I can't even like talk about this. This is why my podcast is like ridiculous because I'm just too embarrassed to discuss. Some are like, have, you know, Lisa Barr wrote an essay, try date day instead of date night because moms are always so tired at night. And um, Rachel Birchie wrote a book called The Kids Are All Right. Um, and in her essay, uh, it was about the rationale for how long, how it doesn't actually take that long. And like, you just have to like... Like you don't have to put aside like an hour, you know, you can put aside like four minutes and like, just, just like, you know, and she has lots of statistics and, and funny things like that. Um, 
VC Chickering uh, wrote a really funny um, thing about like how to take back your own pleasure essentially um, and why that was so important and how it's also like incumbent upon women to sort of speak up about it and not just like hope that things improve. Um, So there were kind of a range of topics that got discussed. There were a few other ones as well. Um, But yeah, I kind of wanted to hear more on that. (laughs) Yeah, we had a whole episode. If you go back to the very beginning of our episodes, that was let's talk about sex baby. And it was like, or after baby or a few kids. And we had a sex therapist come on and she was talking about that idea of showing up for yourself and asking for what you need. And I will say that that is so much more difficult, I think, for most moms, women, including myself, than it is to ask for what I need or show up in terms of like, I need you to I need you to work on not putting the laundry um, on the on the laundry room floor after it's dried and pulled out. I need to I need you to work on please putting it onto a chair so then I know that it's not dirty, right? Instead, to show up in the moment or beforehand to say this is what is comfortable for me or this is what I like is so much more awkward, even with the person that I have been with. For I've been with my husband for twenty one years. I mean, we've been married what? for yeah, we've been married for. Um, I we got together when I was nineteen, and we've been married for coming on seventeen years, and still those conversations are awkward. How is that possible? But I think in women, especially, there's this ingrained belief that like that's taboo or that should be kind of like hush hush. It feels awkward to us, so. I appreciate that you included it in the book and had other people write about it because it is a a, a worthwhile topic for sure. Um, tell me about what you do for writers because I saw on your site you have a whole retreat that you do that now I really want to go to because the rooms looked so like epically luxurious and you said that you can't bring partners so then I would be just alone by myself lying in a king-size bed. <laughs> Come, you should totally come. Um, yes, I'm having a retreat at the Ocean House in Rhode Island in November, and I'm so excited about it. I planned it when the hint of travel was sort of in the air, and I was like, I want to get everybody together. And when I started Moms Enough Time to Travel, Deborah Royce, um, who's an author, is the owner of the Ocean House, and she reached out to me and said, If you ever want to do an event here, you know let me know. It would be really fun to plan. So like the next week I was in my car, like taking all the kids and like, we're checking out the ocean house. Like, let's go. <laughs> um, and so I planned it with her. She's going to co-host some of the events. And I decided to invite all the authors who had contributed to my second anthology, which comes out in November called Moms Enough Time to Have Kids and do a bunch of panels. So I have, um, I think seven or eight panels and then also like wine tasting and uh, yoga and movies and, you know, I just, and a book fair and shopping. And I just want to make it like, I want moms to be able to treat themselves a little bit. Um, so it's sold out within hours. Um, I'm really excited. I have 40 authors coming. Uh, and now what I'm going to do with the panels, I think is live stream, live stream them, excuse me, to different independent bookstores so that if you wanted, you could kind of jump around from bookstore to bookstore and watch them all um, if you can't be there in real life. But of course, the panels are just like one slice of it. And there's going to be all the connections and, you know, making meeting new people and all the there are people who I feel like I am good friends with now who I've never met in real life, which is Mm -hmm. sounds but I swear we're good friends, whatever that means. So I can't wait to like get there and hug some of them, honestly. So Yeah, yeah, no, I feel like especially actually 
this year that's happened. And I also think when you're in this website space, online space that happens, I have all kinds of Instagram friends, podcast friends that I've seen their face maybe in a venue like this, but yeah, we've never met each other in real life. But some of them, I think because maybe when you get on a podcast or do an Instagram live with someone and it's about a slightly deeper topic, it's like you dive right into the next level of friendship, right? Like you go beyond the weather and, you know, how crazy it was to drive there or whatever. And you just go right into it and talk about things that really matter. So that always has struck me that there are all these people that are out there like in the ether that know me better than people that have known me for a lot of years, maybe just because we get into it, you know, get kind of deep into it. Um, Is there any advice that you would give for moms who are listening who are interested in writing or who are interested, have a passion project that they've been thinking about. Because I think one thing you do also on your site is talk a lot about, you know, moms don't have time to write or moms don't have time to read. It's almost like this idea of moms don't have time to do the thing that would be what their passion is if they had time to do it. So any advice that you would give to kind of fledgling entrepreneurs or writers who are interested in doing something similar to what you've done? I mean, I would say something like just do it, but I know that that is hard and there are a lot of constraints on people's time and childcare and everything else. Um, I will say that when you sit down and think about it, all the things that I joke, haha, moms don't have time to, if you don't make time for any of those things, like what is life? Like our life mm-hmm. as moms is not just about making sure the kids' diapers, well, I'm out of diapers now, thank God, but um, <laughs> you know, that the diapers are fastened and there's healthy food on the table. Like, we have to model ourselves to our kids as more than one dimensional caregivers or that's all they see. That's all they learn. So since I've started this, like my kids look at me in a whole new way. Not that I felt bad being a stay at home mom before. I'm super glad I did it. And I was, I don't regret a minute of it. That's what I needed to do for me. And I was lucky enough I could do that. Um, But I would say like the amount of fulfillment I have gotten from pursuing something I truly love has been astounding and has created so many positive ripple effects in every area of my life, my family's life, the community. Like, And I could have just as easily not done it. I, I wasn't doing it before. Um, all these connections. So I would say it doesn't have to be perfect. Going back to our you know, mod, min, max, whatever, you don't have to start the perfect thing. Like that's another thing. I think sometimes people obsess about it, not in a bad way, but just, should I do this? Should I do that? Um, You know, they kind of ruminate on different ideas Mm -hmm. and want it to be perfect before they try or they're afraid to fail or whatever. And I think that we don't have time for that. (laughs) Like, yeah, just go try it. Okay. You really want to write? Great. Like write the story that you can tell, that only you can tell. Mm-hmm. It can really just be about your last 20 minutes of your life just to get you back into the swing of it. But no one else lived the last 20 minutes of your life. Go write about that. Go. It doesn't matter, but start doing it and you'll be such a better mom. Like it is a much better use of your time because everybody wastes time. We all waste time on social media or, you know, just we're just not efficient if we don't think about every moment. Give up one episode of TV if that's your thing and mm-hmm. and pursue something you love. I mean, I had this one author, um, Dr. Amy Shaw, on my show, and she it, she wrote a book, which is hilarious, called I'm So Effing Tired. And she's like a physician. And she said, often you're more worn out 
It's not that you, when you're really worn out, you don't need to take stuff off your plate. It's that you just don't have the right things on your plate. So mm-hmm. that was like a huge shift for me. Like I can't, cause I would keep taking things off and being like, oh my God, I'm so stressed. I can't be on this committee or I can't do this or I can't, I shouldn't do that. And I, it wouldn't help because what I wasn't doing was adding in the things that are inspiring. So I would say it will make the rest of your life better. It's not a selfish indulgence. It's really something that should be thought of as a necessity to bringing your whole self into your life. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, the word that keeps coming to my mind is just like being alive. It's like, gosh, yeah. like you have to have some part of your life that is about purpose and is about fulfillment to yourself and is about pursuing some type of passion or contributing in some way that's bigger than you and your little universe, like with you and your kids and your partner or whatnot. And that's so true for me. I mean, I think, you know, I was a physician for 10 years before I started doing this work. And although I, I know I look like I'm five years old, but <laughs> I look like a teenager still. But during that time, I got really burnt out on patient care because it's like, okay, over and over and over again. And it wasn't until I added the thing that was unique to me that only I could do and put out into the world that then actually feel like my patient care got better. I feel like then my ability with my kids to parent well got better because I wasn't coming from a place of emptiness. I was instead coming from a place of like, I was really full. So then I had more to give to everybody else. And eventually you do, I think, have to like take some things off your plate then that don't matter, right? I had to cut down in terms of the days that I work. But I agree with you. It's first like putting on maybe the things that matter most to you. And then you can start taking some things away that once you realize like, oh, this is the thing I really care about the most. Now I can take these other things away. Yeah. And even having a little more faith in your kids, like they're going to be okay. Like Mm -hmm. I kept being like, I have to be there myself. You know what? They're great. They're fine. They're better than fine. Yeah. And so I don't know. Yeah. No, I think that's true. I mean, I think um, (laughs) we've said this here a bunch of times, like a miserable mom makes everyone else around her (laughs) miserable and um, can do like a lot of damage. Like a miserable mom is like a horrible thing, um, as is a miserable dad, but a miserable mom for our purposes here and a mom who is fulfilled and feels purposeful and feels like she's content and kind of the work that she's doing um, is, a, is a powerful person. I totally agree. Zibby, I'm so glad that you were here with us today. Can you tell people where to find you, your website, your book? Thank you. Yes. And thank you for having me. This has been amazing. Um, I'm on Instagram at Zibby Owens, Z-I-B-B-Y-O-W-E-N-S.com. My website is zibbyowens.com, although I'm about to redo it. And my book that's out now is called Moms Don't Have Time To, a quarantine anthology, which is available wherever books are sold. And you can pre-order Moms Don't Have Time To Have Kids. Awesome. Love it. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Bye. Hey, Mama. If you want more of the Modern Mommy Dog podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag Modern Mommy Doc. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening.